Hello friends, welcome back to the revolution, untold story of Indian freedom struggle. Vande Mataram Sujolam Sufolam Malaya Joshi Tolam Shusha Shamolam Mataram Vande Mataram It was the year 1876 when Bunkim Chandro first wrote Vande Mataram. Later on, in 1881, he included Vande Mataram in the historical novel Anandamot. Shannashi Rebellion was the backdrop for Anandamot. Today, we will talk about the Shannashi Rebellion, which will take us on a journey through the history of the armed struggle of Indian independence. Hi, I am Kaushik Mazumdar and join me in welcoming Onuradha Chakravarti Mazumdar to our team as script editor. Today, I will take you on a journey down the alleys of Indian history. Along the way, we will come across some known and a few unknown facts which will give us a better understanding of India's first people's rebellion against the British. At the end of our Baksar episode, we saw that in 1760, a group of Shannashi Fokis joined the King of Bardwan in his fight against the British army. Now, in 1763, a group of Fokirs attacked and burnt down the East India Company's trade center in Bakarganj. Later on, in the same year, another Dhaka factory was attacked and taken over by a group of Fakirs. This band of Fakirs was soon defeated and captured by the British troop led by Captain Grant. The prisoners were put to work as coolies and forced to repair the same factory. Though Captain Grant had won the battle, the war was far from over. Not only the Shannashi Fokir rebellion lasted for nearly four decades, but this rebellion set the platform for a lot of peasant uprisings across India for the next century or two. Here, we need to understand something that Shunnashis or Fokirs are considered holy men who have overcome the earthly demands and worldly emotions. They have no desire. They have no greed. But then, how can such an individual suddenly becomes the enemy? They are the ones who are truly free, independent in the true sense then why would they feel the need to fight for freedom? So let's try and find the answers to such questions and we might be able to touch the soul, the inspiration of India's 
first battle against the British without a king to lead or betray. So, when we take a closer look, we will see that within the ranks of the rebel Shannashis, there were more than only the holy men. There were people from three different backgrounds who took arms against the British as Shannashis for kids. The first group was that of the real holy men who would travel annually from one shrine to another from one temple to another throughout India. The religious kings and nabobs, as well as the common villagers and city dwellers would generously donate to their cause, provide them with food and shelter. They had free pass to roam throughout the country. Later, during the Mughal rule, many of these religious travelers settled as farmers. Some were provided shelter by nababs, rajas and jamindars. In different parts of India, mostly in central and northern part. These Shurnashis and Fokis have been mentioned as residents of Maimanshing, Bhawal, Kujbihar and different parts of North Bengal. Though they had settled in peasants' life, they would still visit the holy places annually. As soon as the East India Company got the right to collect tax in Bengal and Bihar, they were hell-bent on extracting as much money possible in every opportunity. So, they started extracting heavy taxes from these religious temples and shrines. The East India Company wanted to extract taxes from these Shonashis and Fokis as well. And if unable to pay, they were labeled as miscreants. And soon, their movements were also restricted. As soon as the East India Company gained administrative privileges, they forced the Rajas and Jamindars to disband their army. The Rajas and Jamindars were provided with military assistance by the British when required, in return for money and other favors. The soldiers of the disbanded army had no place in the company's army, though some of these soldiers managed to settle down as farmers or similar occupations, a large segment was felt jobless. Now, this fraction of poor and unemployed soldiers went ahead and joined the group of Shannashi Fokis. So, now it becomes clear that the second category of people in the group of Shannashi Fokis consisted of these soldiers. In 1765, within a year of reserving the rights to collect taxes, East India Company managed to raise taxes on 2.2 lakhs in comparison to 1.23 lakhs collected from Bengal and Bihar. East India Company also forced the farmers to make tax payments by cash instead of making payments with products. Not only that, the farmers now had to sell their products to the company at a much cheaper rate. The company had also made successful arrangements 
to ruin the textile industry of Bengal by different means. The financial advantages enjoyed by the company made it almost impossible for the Indian traders to survive. The Shonnashi folkids who used to roam across the country would carry products from one state to another and thus help in flourishing business were also restricted now. A sect of Nagashonnashis used to lend money against a variable at times at a much cheaper rate of interest. Now, such transactions were declared illegal by East India Company. Overall, since the company received the administrative rights, they took a jibe into India, especially Bengal's internal economic structure, and crumpled it down. To top it off, Bengal suffered from two consecutive sessions of drought, leading to the Great Famine of 1770, which wiped out one-third of Bengal's population from the earth. But the East India Company still collected taxes. The ones who lived on had nothing to survive on. Now these poor peasants, who lost everything, joined the group of Shonnashi and Fokis. Thus was formed the third category of the Shannashi Fokir group. I guess by now we have seen how the East India Company forced the common people of this country to take matters into their hands and how the holy men turned into enemies. But now two rather basic yet important questions remain unanswered. First, why Bengal? As we saw earlier, the Shannashis roamed around the entire country, especially northern India. But then, why was Bengal the epicenter of the rebellion? Now, though the Shannashis and Fokirs were two different religious sects, they both had similar lifestyles. So, the second question that comes up is, was the Shannashi Fokir movement a joint rebellion? Or were they two separate movements that happened at the same time? So, let's try to address the first question first. Probably the most obvious answer would be that since Bengal was the first state to lose her sovereignty to the British, so eventually was also the first state to rise against them. We saw how the East India Company had tightened its grip on the administration and in turn ruined the lives of millions of Bengalis. Now, except the Shannashis who got shelter in Kujbihar and North Bengal, the rest were mostly North Indians. During the Mughal rule, Delhi was always under the war with Marathas and other foreign rulers. To avoid this unrest, the Shannashis migrated most to Bengal. Another reason was that Bengal used to be a notable stop for the Shannashis and Fokis on their annual pilgrimage route. The Shannashis would attain Kumbhmela at Allahabad, Hardwar would join, and then travel to Janakpur in Nepal in March, and then leave for Gangashagar from there for the holy deep. 
from Bengal, they would go to Jagannath Temple in Puri and return to North India via Bihar. North Bengal connected Bengal with North India, so most of the Shannashis took up residency there. Majnu Shah, a notable Fokil leader, was also a member of the Burhaniya clan. His predecessor, Shah Sultan Nuriya Burhana, preached Islam in and around Baliyadighi, 26 miles from Dinajpur. Fakirs used to travel to his holy shrine every year, but the British company administrator restricted their movement, stopping them from visiting their holy destination. Now, Majnu Shah wrote a letter to Maharani Bhavani of Natur, longing action to allow the fakirs to continue with their pilgrimage as earlier. To be precise, the Shannashi Fokir Rebellion's epicenter was North Bengal. The rivers Tista and Brahmaputra and other local mountain rivers provided the Shannashi Fokirs an easy route through the region. Thorough knowledge of the hills and forest and the whole terrain helped the rebels to escape from the company army and continue to fight longer than they had comprehended. During the Mughal era, the Fokirs enjoyed a lot of freedom along with other benefits. Amongst those benefits were food, shelter and land. They enjoyed leniency on legal aspects as well. It was not uncommon for the Fokirs to attack the Shannashis or other common people, but the Nawabs were always lenient towards the Fokirs. But when it came to standing up against the British, the Sannasis and Fokirs fought together as a united front. A huge credit for the same goes to Fakir leader Majnu Shah. We have now found from different references that Pir Hamiduddin had advised Fakir leader Majnu Shah to take up arms and fight against the company along with the Shannashis. They robbed the food and money from the East India Company and distributed it among the fellow countrymen. In 1777, when an internal conflict broke out among the rebel Shannashis and Fakirs, it was Majnu Shah who intervened and stopped the differences from growing further. Now to answer our second question, the official reports from british records and also the folklore confirm that the shannashi and fokirs had fought together against the british east india company in fact it is a popular belief that fokir leader majnu shah and shannashi leader bhavani pathak were close acquaintances and they planned the course of actions and attacks together against the british want to learn more about the untold story of indian freedom struggle keep listening we got a page from episode notes and resources visit us at http colon forward slash forward slash 
www.ksproductionsusa.com Subscribe to the Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Productions INC in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions INC and Shauli Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi, content developed by Dipanjan Maithi and Kaushik Mazumdar. Original music composed and designed by Shottajit Shem. Also use compositions by Kazi Nasrul Islam. We will come back in two weeks with another episode. Till then, stay safe, stay healthy.